0: If your software is creating frustration among your uh, labor, that will reflect in your retention.
1: I'm Adam Polka, and this is The Great Supply Chain Podcast. I'll be talking to supply chain experts from around the world, experts who are tackling challenges in their corner of the industry. People are changemakers that drive innovation. That's why this Supply Chain Podcast is about learning from those who lead by example. I hope that the conversations you hear will inspire you to drive change within your organization. Let's jump in. All right, welcome everyone. I'm Adam Polka and you are now tuned in to The Great Supply Chain Podcast. Uh, Joining us today as our guest co-host is Bill Denby. Welcome, Bill.
2: Thank you very much, Adam. I'm looking forward to this one. I know Avelyn. I've met her before, and she's a great person to talk to. So this is going to be a good one.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to get into it with uh, with the two of you. This is going to be great. Um, we're we're today we're going to look at user experience and uh, not just user experience in general, but specifically how user experience uh, plays from a supply chain standpoint. You know how does uh, how does UX factor into supply chain execution? Uh, looking at uh, usability, ability, UX, etc. Uh, and to do that, we're excited to welcome our podcast guest today, Aveline Soji, Principal UX Designer at Texas, to discuss this with us. Aveline,
0: uh, welcome. Thank you for having me, Adam and Bill. I'm happy to be here with you guys today. Aveline, you've been specializing in UX for more than 15 years.
1: Uh, I read in your bio You've got a master's in cognitive ergonomics, and you lecture on UX at uh, Montreal Polytechnic. Uh, I just want to apologize in advance if we lose you along the way, um, but uh, but if we don't, uh, this is going to be a great uh, primer for us to understand how UX plays into that uh, into that field. So let me let me ask let me ask this question just to kick things off. Um, if you're speaking to us lay people here, can you tell us what UX is and how it fits into the larger software equation.
0: So what UX is, is basically a discipline that involves um, designing software for a specific user in a specific con- context and uh, taking into consideration a specific task or set of tasks. So uh, we do that by adopting user-centric methodologies that involves the user from the beginning of the project uh, throughout the project and all the way till the end. We get their feedback, we talk to them, we try to understand their way of working or doing certain tasks, and then we try to solve those uh, challenges that may have through uh, design activities that will serve uh, their natural way of doing that type of work. And uh, how does that fit in the grand scheme of developing software? We're trying to get involved at the beginning, throughout the process, so that we can inform and reduce risk for the teams that develop the, the software by making sure we have captured the right uh, information from our users and designed the right software. Then when we get into development, we reduce risk that we are developing something they won't like at the end of uh at uh, at the end of the project so that's how uh we do ux and and that's what ux is in a nutshell
2: aveline this may be a silly question but i've heard it asked before what is the difference between ux and ui like you're a ui consultant no i'm a ux consultant or I'm an expert in UX as against UI. Tell us what the differentiation is between, I know it's a nuanced answer, but I know there is definitely a difference between the two. And I think that you specializing in your commentary around user experience as against user interface is very important. Can you clarify that for us?
0: Yeah, definitely. And that's a very good question. I mean, the industry keeps talking about the difference uh, between both anyway. So um, the difference between UI and UX is First of all, the UX is uh, encompassing of the UI. UX looks at how things happen, the flow of uh, interactions. Um, It looks at how can I reduce errors? How can I uh, make the experience satisfactory for whoever's using it? Whereas UI, which is again, a subset of UX, looks at a little bit closer at how things look, uh, are they coherent from a visual perspective? And are they supporting the UX we're trying to uh, achieve overall?
2: So I think it's very important to say that. I mean, we're not just talking about the, it being a nice shade of blue or, you know, the button being this shape. We're actually talking about the entire workflow, which is a very different uh, mm-hmm. a, a different Exactly.
0: Thing. Exactly. Yeah. So when it comes to UX, you're looking at the overall experience and sometimes even beyond the software itself. It might involve the way the workstation is set up so that you can have an optimal performance.
1: So is, is UX more on um, the, the user side or the administrator side, or is it a combination sort of where, um, who, who's, the, who's the greatest beneficiary, I guess, of, of, um, of a coherent UX?
0: So there's many layers of beneficiary uh, of UX. Uh, We tend to focus on the user at large. So depending on what task or what part of the software we're working on, we will focus on a certain type of users. So at times it could be the administrator, or at other times it will be the end user, the one, uh, for if we take the example of the supply chain, maybe it's the picker who's picking goods inside the warehouse, right? So it really, it focuses on a specific user, a specific task in a specific context. And we take all these components together and that's what we take into consideration when we're working on a particular flow.
1: Yeah, I think, and Bill and I have had many conversations about this around um, around the labor issues that are going on in supply chain right now. And, and I'm, I wonder if you can comment a little bit on, um, how UX and the current labor crisis, the current labor shortage really are connected and how UX is kind of um, a cog in that piece.
0: So um, right now, like you mentioned, there is a labor shortage or crisis just across the board, including in supply chain. And the way that UX can help or has a role to play in there is that When we pay attention to our user experience in our software that uh, either as vendor we provide or as an organization we use um, or create for our users, um, the the labor or workers, pickers, uh, whoever uses the software will find that it is easier for them to accomplish their work, right? They can do their work faster with uh, less errors uh, they can exceed expectations sometimes. At times, I actually that's the ultimate goal is to expe- exceed expectation, do more with less, right? So by having a software that is that has kept the uh, process in mind, and that user-centric uh, approach, the workers can do their work with less error f- efficiently, uh, with effectiveness and satisfaction overall. And that satisfaction is key. If Your software is creating frustration among your uh, labor that will reflect in your retention as well.
2: I think that's a great point, Evelyn, especially in this day and age. We're seeing a generation change with new workers coming into supply chain with just an expectation that it's going to look and work like the other things in my life. It, I'll be able to get a hold of that piece of software and I'll be able to generally understand the design constructs the way it should work is it you know if it runs on an iPad it should look like iPad software if it runs on a phone it should look like phone software and you, you expect those paradigms to be consistent what do you find when you 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 build or, or or come across situations where there is no consistency where you give, software that is just a generation old compared to the worker. Is there a significant kind of disconnect between those two?
0: So many things can happen. So the, the the one thing that will happen is they might have a lack of motivation doing their work, right? It's not motivating. It's harder for them sometimes to understand how to use it, right? As you mentioned, they expect this intuitiveness in software, like uh, a a certain level of appeal and and ease of understanding what i need to do next right so that can generate frustration among those younger generation and um and performance also has an impact right so if they cannot figure out how to use the software or uh, how to um uh, what to expect when they click on a certain button or something like that? Then there's anxiety, stress that raises in uh, in them that will make it uncomfortable to uh, accomplish their job, and eventually, what what could happen is they leave for something else where the software is more up to their standard, for instance.
1: And you know what? I think that's an interesting thing you mentioned: anxiety and stress. Uh- and I think in these in these uh, environments, uh, in the supply chain or or otherwise, you've got different generations that that use technology totally differently. You know, on the one hand, you've got you've got folks who know what they know and they're not very excited a bunch of, uh, about a bunch of new tech, right? And then at the other extreme, as as you comment on, you've got this new crop of tech native workers that expect the latest and greatest. How do you uh, how do you square that circle in UX? How, how can you make everyone happy?
0: How can you make everyone happy is, first of all, it is to take the time to make an inventory of who it, who are those users, right? If you know who is going to be using your software, there's this type of user which we'll call super user. There's another type where I'll call, first, for instance, frontline workers, and then there's administrative workers. Once you have that inventory, Focus on how they need to use the software one at a time. Okay. So and analy- now analyzing their context, talking with them, understanding what are their main tasks, what are their goals uh, as 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 when they're accomplishing their, their work, and catering to that when you're designing those interfaces, those screens those uh, workflows so that it is easy and again comes naturally for them as they're doing their work once you've done it with one uh, one um, strata of user you can switch and now you you you'll focus on maybe the administrative worker do the same thing talk to them understand their context what are they trying to go to do what are their goals and if ev- eventually you go through the whole um, set of users, And that's how you can satisfy um, seemingly everybody with one piece of software is by digging into consideration each uh, type of user's needs and um, priorities. So is UX
1: about giving the user absolute flexibility or is too long a leash a dangerous thing? You know, how do you determine the right amount of flexibility based on that inventory of users?
0: So I would say it's a balancing act, really. You will meet, uh, let's say, 12 users of one type, and you will figure out that there is actually two patterns common, right? Instead of one way of doing everything. At that time, you might consider uh, adding more flexibility, configurability, or personalization features that will help satisfy the two patterns you've observed. But if, uh, if if there's one main way to do uh, something, maybe you can um, leave that for later and focus on the main way, making sure we understand that one uh, pattern that we recognize, right? So that's, that's what I would suggest in terms of uh, for flexibility. It's not ultimate flexibility because that will have eventually complexity, right? Might be needed eventually, but... Uh, it, it's a balancing act. You have to find the right amount of complexity of flexibility for, for each uh, task or role in uh, the ecosystem.
2: This sounds like a lot of research. How do you go about collecting all this information? What is the process you take your, uh, your users through to, to learn these paths and these workflows and things like that?
0: That's a very good question. So basically, from the get-go, you talk to the users. You have interviews, you do um, contextual inquiry. There's a whole uh, series of um, research methods that you can use, but the goal is really to talk to them, to understand how they do the work, observe them, right? Not just ask them, what would you like to have, but really observe how they do the work, where they struggle, where are the friction point so that uh, you can, better design eventually for them right and as you start the design you continue to involve them you show them what you have what you're preparing and you make sure that they uh can accomplish the given task that you're trying to solve with that design and if there's friction there you iterate so the use user-centric uh design process is very iterative So um, we involve the users at different iteration. We make sure that we get their feedback and we iterate until we stop finding uh, new things about the user, at which point we can say uh, we have uh, a satisfactory design. And also when we know that the user is able to accomplish a decent performance, if not excellent performance.
1: Can you tell us sort of what the uh, what the framework is that you use to decide how complex the user experience actually needs to be?
0: So um, it's an interesting thing about complexity. Um, com- complexity has to be managed and um, it- and adapted to the type of users, as I was saying uh, earlier. So basically uh if if we take an example so sometimes we say oh i want uh this process to be less complex i want to simplify this i want to make it clearer and everything and and et cetera right but really um if you take the example of just making coffee in the morning right um there y- y- there's different kinds of coffee there's a the typical americano uh drip coffee and at the other end right. you have a very um, sophisticated uh, espresso or you have an entire spectrum of cold brew even right there's all kinds
1: you got the range. I mean, from <laughs> drip to a, a double macchiato with
0: caramel. I like my coffee fancy. Oh, <laughs> well, now uh, we're getting fancy, actually. Uh, and, well, <laughs> even as – so that caters to different audience, different uh, uh, people. But also the same pe- person can sometimes be, let's say, in a rush. They just need a little bit of coffee, caffeine inside them, and they'll go for the drip coffee, right? That, at that point of time, that's what they need. But, you know, Sunday morning, you have time, you wake up, you want to enjoy the morning and take it slow. You might take the time to actually weigh your uh, coffee grind, put it in the machine and and, you know, wait the time that it takes to have that uh, nice uh, aroma and and uh, and and coffee, uh, fancy coffee, like we were saying. Right. So that's two different extremes in the same person. So actually complexity complexity, might be enjoyable depending on what you need to do, depending on your context. The drip coffee, very simple. I, 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 I push a button and I get the coffee a few minutes later. And when you're going towards a cold brew or espresso or macchiato, you need to do a little bit more work, but it's still enjoyable, right? The one thing you really want to avoid is confusion. If you're going for one or the either or the other, you don't want people to get confused by uh, with by the process. They they you want them to be able to understand what they do, need to do next, how they need to do it, et cetera, et cetera. So the confusion in what is what you're trying to go um, against, right? And making something that seemingly looks complex more easy um, is not necessarily easy for software vendors or developers. Um, There is a law that I really like. It's called the Tesla law. And basically what it says is that in a process or in a system overall, there is a certain amount of uh, complexity that can only be reduced so much. At which point you have to make the decision whether or not that complexity needs to be on the side of the user in the interface or on the side of the software, meaning that you'll automate things, you'll add things like AI and make, uh, help guide their decision making, for instance. So yeah, that's, that's how I manage, uh, complexity. Um, I, we, we try to, uh, by anal- analyzing those users, See how much complexity is needed, or how much uh, flexibility is needed for that process, and then we'll decide where to uh, take care of that that complexity.
2: I, I love your take on complexity, Evelyn. But one thing I've noticed over the years of designing software and building software is that the more on point and the better matched to the user experience it is, the simpler it appears to the user. Regardless of the level of complexity, the more dead on you get it, the more likely it is when you hand it to the user, he goes, she goes, yeah, that's of course that's the way it should have worked. That was That's obvious. It's totally obvious. It took you months to figure that out and get it all right. But when you give it to them, they're like, well, totally. It just makes sense now. Whereas if you hadn't spent that time and handed them technology that wasn't dead on, they would go, can you explain this to me? How do you feel about it when you hand someone somewhere and they go, well, yeah, that's obvious. That couldn't have taken any time. And you know how much work it was in the background to get to the point where you could say, yeah, we got you. You know, that must be very frustrating. Yeah, that was obvious. uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah I mean that's that's music to my ears when I hear uh that kind of comment inside me I'm like high five
2: yes <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly exactly And I've seen it I time should- and again it's just yeah of course mm-hmm. you know um it's when something it was not obvious wrong weeks ago when attention. we were talking about it <laughs>
1: It's only when something is not intuitive, when something doesn't go smoothly, that, that you, you perk up and you pay attention.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's a very good point. Uh, side, a side note like that, that makes me laugh sometimes is, as UX designer, we're so curious about what's not working. Where are the friction points? Because first of all, we see those as innovation opportunities and fixing things. So sometimes... Will be will sound so negative, but it's just because we see all these those as opportunities to improve the software, to improve the pro- the process, right? Uh, so please forgive us if sometimes we sound <laughs> negative. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do you find that more and more uh, organizations are relying on on people like yourself and te- and teams like you're you're working with within to um, drive? innovation, drive change uh, with, uh, with their offerings, or um, is that something that you're seeing, that differentiating your software is not just about functionality anymore, it's about the way it feels, the way it looks, and it, you're, because organizations we're seeing, part of the purchasing process is emotional, part of the purchasing process of looking at software and do I want to use this is, well, do I want to use this? How do you you, uh, get get around that kind of, you know, that kind of creating a consistent look, feel uh, that works with the, uh, that will appeal to the the user and to the buyer as well, of course, because that's equally important. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. So that's a very good question. And I think it ties a little bit back to, uh, the definition of how, of the user experience so for me user experience is it goes all the way uh, from uh, making sure something is usable uh useful and fun it's accurate right i know what to expect all the way up to things like delight right exceeding my user's expectation making it convenient for them to use my software so that there's a whole, again, spectrum of uh, characteristic that uh, constitute user experience. And when you take all those into consideration when you're designing software or creating a solution, not just functionality, not just usability, but the whole uh, pyramid of characteristic, um, that's when you achieve the light and people get it at first sight. They feel like they want to use this because it seems so simple, and it really resonates with their um, need for uh, self determination and other concept like that.
1: So, so just before we tie up here, Evelyn, can you can you just mm-hmm. um, outline for us one or two of what you see as the biggest challenges that supply chain will be faced with from a UX perspective?
0: So, there is a few things that I think supply chains might be uh, faced challenge with from a user experience perspective. One of them we spoke about, which is labor retention, right? If you you don't have easy to use to understand software, they're not able to do their job efficiently, they are not satisfied, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Not only that, but having usable software for your uh, labor would also help you uh, onboard those new uh, users much faster. We talked about the crisis. People are coming in, getting out, like it's almost a revolving door. So um, making sure that you can onboard them uh, as fast as possible is uh, is key, right? You don't want to spend that much, too much time. I mean, you want to spend sufficient time, but not too much onboarding them, training them on software, getting them to understand what the work they have to, what is the work that they need to do. And um, another area where I think uh, user experience can help eventually uh, supply chain is by um, providing your end users with a superior experience. And by that, I mean, um, we're all trying to have a supply chain that is more transparent, uh, that give a sense of control to our users, right? We want them to feel like whatever they order, they will get in good shape in right time. You want to provide that information for them, and by having that in top of mind, it will um, encourage you to have uh, software that provide that kind of transparency that is easy to understand, not only for your work, uh, your labor, but also for your end users when they're inquiring the system to know. Where their goods are uh, in the supply chain or in the process. So I would say those are the three main things that supply chain uh, cha- that will challenge supply chains going forward with, from a user experience perspective.
2: I mean, I think it's so important that organizations recognize that investing in good user experience because technology is so uh, you know it's it's endemic in in the supply chain now investing in a good user experience is a message that will resonate with the employees just as much as you know investing in you know good floor mats or you know good aircon or any of the other areas around the business it's just as important to say that we're going to give you something that that looks modern brings your career forward gives you technology that you like to learn and and can reference as being a step forward in your career and so on and so forth so i think i think you're absolutely right in those three points it's very very important so i have one last question for you before we wrap up if you see, if you were talking to uh, a young person who is thinking of going forward in a career in user experience, and what would you, what be the the, the one thing you tell them? How would they get started in it? What would you, what advice would you would you give them for for moving forward in this relatively new field that combines kind of technology with psychology and observation and all kinds of other things?
0: So, um, I. If you allow me, I will give them. I will give you three talking points on that one. Uh, the first one is um, I like for I, I usually recommend uh, young people that want to get into the domain to leverage their uh, their skills that they already have. If they have knowledge about a certain domain or a certain area, or they have a certain expertise, then try to uh, find an entry uh, an entry position in that field. That will help them understand the user and the domain more easily. And then they can focus on mastering the craft of user experience, observation, research, et cetera. The second one is get specialized education. You need to know what are those methodologies that you can apply to each situation and understand um, what are the strategies you can use to get that information and therefore design um, um, efficient and satisfactory uh, software. And finally, the most important one is be curious. You have to be curious, curious about the user, curious about things are done, curious about technology, and how to also grow your skills in that domain. So those are my three advice for people that wanna get into the domain.
1: Aveline Soji thank you. Thank you for uh, sharing your UX knowledge uh, with us, with our listeners. It was a pleasure having you come on. This has been the Great Supply Chain Podcast. I'm Adam Polka with Texas. Until next time, thanks for joining us. Well, that's it for this episode, folks. I hope our guests sparked some new ideas and inspired you to push the boundaries of supply chain. New podcasts will be published on the first of every month. In the meantime, please reach out with your thoughts or questions or even an idea for a future episode. You can email us at texaspodcast at texas.com. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified as soon as a new episode goes live. And please share it with a colleague and leave a review. Until then, this has been the Great Supply Chain
2: Podcast. I'm Adam Polka, and thank you for tuning in.